Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us, using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Welcome, I'm your host, Dana Robb, and today we are talking about tenant number eight. We seek after knowledge and wisdom. You can find all of our tenants on our website, bigoceanwomen.org, and there you will read a little bit more. We believe that wisdom is the highest possible form of knowledge. Wisdom is achieved by uniting our internal compass or conscience with our life experiences. We see the value of obtaining as much education as possible. We value and cherish the wisdom passed on through our elders, We draw nourishment from our roots to strengthen and grow our branches. And I'm just thrilled that we get to have this conversation today with Becky Rogers. Becky and her family live in Ghana, Africa, and she is the founder of Families Mentoring Families, which teaches leadership skills and has literacy centers throughout Africa. And not only that, but she has incorporated the tenets of Big Ocean and created waves within these literacy centers. Becky, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be invited to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. It's the root of what we do in our work here. And I'm always excited when someone cares to get involved or that values it as much as we do. And that's one of the things we love about Big Ocean Women. So Becky, I want to hear, first of all, what led you there? How did you come to to be in Ghana? Um, You know, it's kind of one of those big leap of faith stories where we... um, we had the impression that we needed to just get rid of everything and move here, which was pretty crazy. And most people thought we were insane. And we told people we'd go for a year just because that would, you know, make a little bit more sense when we really knew it wasn't going to be a year. And so um, we had older kids that we had to get situated in the U.S. And then we moved over here with our five youngest in 2017. And so now here we are six years, a little over six years later when we came, we had no idea what we were supposed to do. We just had the impression to get rid of everything and go. And that's what we did in the first 18 months we were here. We really did not know why we were here, what we were supposed to do. So we were just getting used to the culture, getting used to how to find food that we like to eat, um, getting used to having bars on all of our windows, which is what it felt like to us, you know, for for people here, it's just protection and, you know, um, barbed wire around our compound. We weren't used to that. It's like it was very much a cultural shift and we had kids. I think Mm -hmm. our oldest was about 16 or 17, 16 when we came and our youngest was five. And so, um, and we came over here with five, five, our five youngest kids. And so it was a period of adjustment and um, just observe a lot of observation. What are, what is going on? Like, why are we here? What do we, what can we bring and how does God need us to show up? in this space. And that was a process of its own. So, wow. Yeah. I love hearing people who take that leap of faith. It gives the rest of us courage to step into the unknown and to trust that process that if you make that step, God will provide the next step. And it might take a year and a half. Like you said, it might take time. I've experienced that myself where I'm like, okay, why am I here? You led us here, but what is the purpose of it? So tell us a little bit more about what it is that, that you, what did you realize God wanted you there for? So after, um, you know, over the course of that time, um, 
we were just observing and seeing things. And one of the things that we realized was in our community, in our local community, and it turns out it's also the broad national community, that 30 to 40 percent of the women did not read at all, not even a little bit. And so uh, obviously that really hampers their their opportunities for growth and for professional development and their skills to be able to provide for their families. There are a lot of reasons for that. A lot of people just, you know, couldn't afford school fees as they were growing up or, you know, they kind of hit, skip and miss. They'd go for a period of time while they had money to pay their school fees and then they didn't, or, or then they'd get beliefs that they were just dumb and they couldn't learn. So then they would, you know, drop out and, yeah, just a lot of cultural things, especially with the women uh, from other parts, like tribal, like tribal issues in other parts of the country, like up north, it's far more common that the women are not as educated as they are in, in Accra because it's not valued for women there. So, um, so there are a lot of, like a lot of things that we just were, that were all new to us and we were just observing and seeing what, what, what is going on here. And, um, and actually, before we moved here, when we didn't know why we were coming, I remember having a conversation with God one day and just saying, okay, I'm totally good not knowing what we're doing. Totally good. But it's really difficult for my kids because they just don't have as much life experience, you know? So when we don't have answers and we can't tell them what we're doing, it causes some anxiety. So I said, so anything that's okay for us to know, we would also gratefully receive that. Um, and immediately the words that came into my mind were mom school. Wow. And, I, and I, I was like, okay, mom school. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that means. Um, but that very same day, we met a couple who had just returned from living here um, as service missionaries in doing doing literacy. Um, they'd been here for two years and they had just returned like the week or two before that. And so we were introduced to them like within just a few days mm-hmm. of that. And so that kind of formed a a, a at least some kind of a heads up direction, even though we did still didn't know really, you know, what that, what that means or what we're supposed to do. But then when we got here and we saw, Oh, like the literacy rates and um, the issues that that causes and in, in self-esteem this, I mean, the problem is when you have a woman, especially who doesn't read, when you have a man who doesn't read, he won't admit that he doesn't read and he'll, it's, it's more difficult for him to come to literacy class because he doesn't want to admit in his community that he's not educated. Right. Mm. And so, but the women will show up in droves because um, it gives them power to gain an education. Interesting. Um, A a woman that doesn't have an education is at great risk of domestic violence from her husband. She's not valued in the community. She's not valued to herself. And so, um, you know, some of the women that we've been have been through our program, it's just so fun to go and reconnect with them and realize how much they change, not just the fact that they read and that they read well. Now they don't have to ask someone every time they need to, to read a, a note or a, a message. They can do that for themselves. Now they can help their own grandchildren with their homework at school. But the main thing is they are empowered to stand up for themselves because now they feel their own value, which is not based on their education, but in their own mind it is. And so that's one of the miracles is to see the light in their eyes that comes on when they are, um, when they, when they gain these skills. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, so, so that's kind of what we, what we did. So after, you know, that period of time, we started a, a, a nonprofit here called Families Mentoring Families about family education. 
Um, I love this tenet because it talks about, it uses that metaphor of the trees with the roots and the branches. And that's also our, um, our logo for Families Mentoring Families is a tree. And we teach the six branches of education through our literacy centers. And so, yeah, so, so I love that about this, about this tenant also. So we run tracks of education in basic, like family skills, basic family skills, parenting, um, uh, feminine hygiene, uh, standing with boys. Like we have a lot of different courses that we can pull from a lot of different curricula that we can pull from depending on the specific needs of the community. So we just started to build these literacy centers. So we, and through this, through the literacy centers, we, so family education, or family skills, like family life, right? Like family life skills. And then we have basic literacy. Um, and then we have um, school, like if someone needs help with school fees or a tutor or something like that. So it's academic tracks of education. And then we have uh, vocational skills and then we have leadership. We also have agriculture and we're just getting now ready to launch a new leadership education project, which I am over the moon excited about because it's the next step in helping people to overcome their old, old generational mindsets about self-reliance and what they can and cannot do for themselves. And so um, that really is, I think that is really the reason for families mentoring families is that leadership education um, piece, but it's taken us this long to get put together the things that needed to be prepared before it could come in. So that's basically what we do. We also do, um, we do aftercare for survivors of trafficking. We have a facility here where we get um, girls who are trafficked uh, outside the country, they go out to work and then they find out once they arrive that they've been trafficked and they end up running away and going to prison. And once, if they're the lucky ones that are rescued when they come back, if they can't go back to their family, which surprisingly is the case most of the time, yeah. um, or they come back and they're very sick, which is one of the reasons their family won't take them back because they can't afford to care for them. Mm. Um, they're a huge liability to them or they're expecting them to come back with money because they went out with that expectation. Uh, they come to us and, and we, they participate in those same branches of education in our aftercare program. Oh, awesome. So, which is so much more than just the skills. It's the mindset. It's like, it's, it's the wisdom part of the knowledge, right? Yeah, you, yeah, can yeah. you can teach the knowledge part of the skills, but then the wisdom part is so important. We we set up two literacy centers in the beginning, just I think it was four four and a half years ago, just as a just as an experiment to see what would happen. Hmm. And right now we are running, I think, one hundred and ten across wow. Africa. So we just got those new numbers all updated and my mind is blown. We also pulled in all the numbers of the attendants there. Mm -hmm. And in Kenya alone, we have 10,500 adult learners and about 3,500 child learners oh, um, in that in that country by itself, not counting, you know, where the other, the other countries where we have literacy going. Okay. So it's like spreading like wildfire and people are so hungry for knowledge and stuff. Yeah, they, they just need to know where to find it. That's really mm -hmm. cool. So you've spread from Ghana all across Africa. Yep. So, well, so now we have, we have literacy centers in Ghana, Uganda, Kenya, uh, one in Rwanda, and um, one that we started in Liberia right before the lockdown. And then my son got called mission. So we haven't been, but we're getting ready to go back there. And I'm sure that's going to take off. We have a lot of contacts and a lot of people that, um, 
that we've met, our network is quite um, overwhelming to me, like how blessed we are with the, the, the leaders that are pulling into the programs that we're running, which it's leadership education. So why would I be surprised? <laughs> yeah, that's so we're cool. pulling in leaders, but it's exciting. It's super exciting. Totally. I have so many questions now. I'm like trying to figure out what to ask next. Um, <laughs> you, I think you answered the question though. I was curious about the six branches and are those the different? Yeah, that's just how we organize it because, okay. you know, in the, in the categories of, of the different programs that we run, but what we do is we basically just take a lot of different curricula and different programs. And then when, you know, we have, we have leadership in all those literacy centers. And so when they say, this is what our community is struggling with, then we just pull out like, which of those tracks do they need support in? Is it agriculture? Is it, you know, um, and we're always constantly expanding those, those resources and, and seeing how it blesses, you know, we started off with just a few, but then there's so many parts of life that are inextricably connected with each other that you really can't, you really can't separate them out and say, oh, this is the only thing we just do this. And that is what we do. The thing we do is we build literacy centers, but we address these other needs of the community right. uh, through those literacy centers. Yeah, you can't compartmentalize and say each thing in its own box. Everything is connected to each well, other. Well, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the trick because, I mean, we've tried to say we don't do medical. And for the most part, we don't. Like, it's not our mission. But we have people in our organization and in our communities that have those kinds of needs, mm. you know? And so any place that we can partner with other organizations to meet some of those needs as well, then we're always looking for those kinds of connections too. Yeah. And then I'm also curious, you mentioned the aftercare program, which I love that you're addressing that need as well. And do you have like a prevention side to that where you're educating about the dangers of trafficking or helping families be aware yes. so they're not sending their kids off? Yes, we yes, we do. And uh, it's really been fun to watch our girls when they come back to watch their healing process and watch them shift into wanting to inspire other people and wanting to warn other girls. And because I can go in and say, don't do this. They won't listen to me because I'm not in their situation. I've never been mm -hmm. in their situation of not having any hope for something better. And they're willing to take the chance. They're willing to take that risk that it will be, work out and that, and that that feeling in their gut isn't true, right? Like that mm -hmm. it'll be okay for them. They'll be the one that will get a good thing. A year ago, I was traveling and I had a layover in, in Ethiopia and they came and they took all of the girls, all of the travelers who were going to Lebanon. They had a very short layover. So they came, you know, before they disembarked everybody else, before they deplaned everyone else, they said, everyone that's going on this Beirut flight come first. And so they had them all gathered down on the on the tarmac there. And when I came out of the plane, I saw this whole group of people that were going on that Beirut flight. And they were all girls. They were all, every single one girls the same age and they were going to be domestic servants and I just want to say like don't go don't go but you know what they won't they'll just they'll just take their chances and hope for the best because their situation here is so dire mm -hmm. and they don't feel like there's any other hope and so what we are doing is our anti-trafficking part of that is to do skills learn knowledge learn wisdom so you don't feel like you have to go out and leave your family many I would even say if I would say many, if not most of those women that go out to work have children that they left behind here. Mm 
and they made arrangements with an auntie mm -hmm. or their mother or a friend to care for their kids. And they're going to go out and work and send money back. Um, and one of the women that we got had been gone nine years. So by the time she came back, her children were grown. They don't know her, you know? And so, and actually that's kind of a cultural thing too, because of all of the women my age that I know here, my BFFs, my best friends here, I don't know any of them that were raised by their mother. None of them. They were all raised by a sister or an aunt or um, it's just what happens about the time a, a, a girl is seven or eight, eight, nine, like old enough to do work around the house. She'll get sent to um, a sister or an aunt to help in the house. It kind of relieves the stress on the mother that's trying to care for her. And then supposedly she's supposed to go to school there. Mm -hmm. And that sister or aunt is supposed to provide, you know, their school while they're working in the house. And whether that happens, it's anybody's guess. So mm -hmm. um, that's a very common scenario too. And so family life skills, that's why we have that track of education, right? Yeah. Because um, when we get these women back, this is the beauty of our aftercare program too. That's different than any other aftercare programs that I'm aware of here is that we are equipped for them to bring their children with them. Oh, wow. So when they come to our facility, they come with their children and that's we awesome. have school for them um, on site. We have teachers that, you know, teach them how to read and to work on their education. And we have one woman right now who came with a child and her youngest sister. Because when she came home, the responsibility for her youngest sister, who was a teenager, 12, 13, fell to her. And she's like, I can't come without, like, I have to take care of the sister. And we're like, bring her. Because now she can also do vocational skills. You know, she's she's youth age. So she can do vocational skills. She can do work on her um, academic education. Um, that's anti-trafficking. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you're educating the current generation, they have that hope that they that they can make their situation better where they are at rather than this false hope that something out there that's enticing them is going to be solve their problem. Yeah. Well, and then we also have to mentor them in mothering because they haven't had that experience and don't know mm -hmm. how to do it. We have such great mentors um, in that department on our on our staff in our house mom and our director. They're just fantastic. We just love them. <laughs> they're the heart. They're the heart and blood of the of what we do at FMF. Our, our amazing staff. So, well, I just, yeah, we just it's helping them. me realize how much we take for granted the the what we are able to learn here in you know these first world countries and and the education we get just by being a part of a a solid family and learning those skills yeah. within our own home just naturally. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and people in the U S even in their academic education, don't take it seriously. Don't appreciate it. You know, and here it's all about the school fees. They won't date. They won't like they, like their social life takes a backseat to their school. Yeah. Like they'll sacrifice everything for their children's for them to be educated better than they were. Mm -hmm. uh, the parents, you know, they'll go without like they, and the children will take it very, very seriously. Like they don't, they understand how lucky they are if they're in a position where they get an education. Yeah. And and they'll do anything for it. And they'll work hard. And they they just work so hard. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. To do it. So the opportunities that they they can get their hands on pay big dividends. And because it doesn't just change that person's life, it changes the trajectory of their entire family. For exactly. all the generations to come. So in that way, we cannot even measure 
Yeah. It's not even measured the impact. the impact of that generational shift mm. because we don't know all the generations to come, but it's, it's really, I don't know. I just love it. It's, it's, it's the coolest thing to see. That's gotta be so rewarding. Watch them show up for themselves. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel like you've grown yourself? That is a good question. I, so, so many, so many ways, <laughs> so many ways. And sometimes when I go back and jump into my old life and people still think of me like the old man, and I, it, it kind of cracks me up sometimes because I think, Oh, you don't know me at all <laughs> anymore <laughs> because I, because it's, it's, it's so, and, and actually my kids too, my kids that have lived here, my youngest is now 11. Hmm. She came when she was five. She's now lived here longer than she hasn't. So she's grown up here and when we came with five we only have two that are left at home so our three older boys have now returned back to the u.s um but they have returned with a work ethic they've mm -hmm. seen they've seen stuff they've seen stuff all of them they've seen people with real struggles and problems and and issues not and that's not to say that there aren't real things in in the u.s absolutely there are but we do kind of live in a sheltered kind of, um, in a lot of ways, not every, I mean, everybody has their challenges. And, and that's one of the things here we try to tell people because they think their problems will be solved if they can go to the U.S. And we're like, no, mm. people in the U.S. have their own challenges. <laughs> they have their own challenges, but we have seen things from a different perspective here. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, we went for six days without water because our pump was broken and we couldn't, we were waiting for one guy to come and he didn't come for like three days. And then we're like, okay, we got to find a different, a different person. The house that we stay in, we have our own well, we have our own borehole, but it also, um, the compound right just down below us also belongs to the landlord's family. So his entire family was also without water and we had the means to have it repaired. And we also have less tolerance for not having water. <laughs> but after six days, like it rained over the weekend. So we put out all of the buckets and all the garbage cans we could find. And we were just gathering water from every place we could find it. So we would at least have water to flush the toilet with a bucket and we could bucket bath if we needed to, you know, we could wash some dishes if we needed, like just with the rainwater. Um, but the thing that I told my husband was, I said, I am so proud of us that this was just a minor inconvenience you know what yeah. I mean like yeah like everybody still had good attitudes everyone knew what to do mm -hmm. I wish this was the first time that it happened it's not that's why okay. we know as soon as the rain starts everybody runs out with buckets and garbage cans and sets that whole thing up to catch them because we all know that's our water for the next couple of days we don't know when somebody's gonna come and fix it yeah. you know and so like just think things like that, that's one of the ways that it's blessed us. But the main thing I think is that when we came over here, we came with each our two checked bags and we came and we just had student foam mattresses on the floor. We had friends that got us like a bowl and a spoon and a mug mm. and an iron because apparently they didn't get the memo about how little I like to iron and how little of a priority it is to me. <laughs> Here it's a big deal. Like you got to look sharp. And then, so if you got an iron, that's how you do it. Right. <laughs> so they got me an iron anyway. So we came in that way. And so we literally started from nothing. Well, and actually when we came, we thought we'll sell our house and um, that way we'll have kind of a nest egg that we can like set up a new house and we can figure out, you know, how we're going to, survive because we didn't know what we were going to do here like mm -hmm. how we we're going to support ourselves 
Like we didn't know how any of that was going to work out. And then when we put our house on the market, it didn't sell and didn't sell. And we ended up basically giving it to our best friends for what was left on the mortgage. So we walked away with nothing and we showed up here with nothing, nothing, Mm -hmm. no money, not knowing what we're going to do. And so if I told you the miracles, like the growth in our faith, the growth in our faith, I don't even have words for it. I can't even describe it except to tell stories of all the miracles of the ways that God has come through and provided the the restoration center where our girls stay. God did that totally. When we sat down across from the seller on that and asked, you know, he asked, is this something that's really realistic for you? And I was like, I don't have $5 for this project. And I, and I said, and I was just praying, praying, okay, God, what are we doing? Whatever comes out of my mouth next is what we're going to do. And I told them, I said, yeah, we can do it. And then I thought I need to throw up. Like I need to go outside right now and throw up because I have no idea how we're going to do that. And guess what? Within a year, that property was bought and paid for. And it the whole project was underway and God did it. And so just our perspective in that way and seeing that what, um, what else is possible if you don't kill it yourself, like if you let God do it, you know, and just watch and show up. That's, that is probably the biggest thing. That's the biggest way that I've grown. I don't think I could have learned those kind of lessons any other way. Like, I think this was just totally tailored for, for mm-hmm. us in that way. Um, the other thing that, that's been a huge blessing is our family. You know, when we first moved here, my husband, who didn't want to visit, mm-hmm. he had no interest in helping with any of the things that, you know, I was doing before we moved here. And then all of a sudden we decided we're moving here. He hadn't, hadn't wanted to even come visit before, but he said, you know, if we, if we moved over there, we'd have to learn how to live so radically differently. We'd actually have time to be a family. Yeah. And so that's, that has been the case. And even now, because now my three older boys that are back in the U S and I'll walk in on my daughters and they're constantly on FaceTime with their brothers. Like they are best friends with each other, Mm. like solid best friends with each other, you know? And so for me, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) every mother that's, that's, that's a, that's a specific kind of joy, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been really awesome too. Mm, that's incredible. I think it's something you said, how God tailors things for us. And when he needs us to learn something, he's got a plan for it. And I think you're going there empty handed. was probably an essential part of your journey to learn what you needed to to help the people that you're helping. You could kind of absolutely. And I I had many other experiences since that where something didn't work out how I thought it was going to. And now, and now I just, I'm like in hindsight, I'm so grateful because otherwise it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have put us where we are. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have learned to depend on God in the way that we, that we have. If, everything had worked out. Like if we had sold our house and walked out of it with money, like Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have learned how to to rely every single day. And, you know, on, on that kind of thing. And I'm I'm just so grateful for those things. In our family, we have a saying called blessings that look like barf. (laughs) Sometimes blessings look like barf. Like (laughs) sometimes it's something that doesn't look like it's really good, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a bummer, but actually in, in hindsight, it's exactly perfect. And it actually brought you to a new place and it was really the biggest blessing you could have received. I can relate to blessings yeah. look like barf. Sometimes you 
you pray for something and the result is like, that's not what I was expecting. And then you realize yeah. truly it was the best possible scenario. And sometimes you don't know for a while. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't know for a while. I remember um, when we were working on this project, we didn't have water to the property. And so um, we had filled out a, an application to a big organization to fund that project to come and dig a borehole. And, um, and we were working with people and it seemed like it was like a for sure go, like it was going to go through and it was going to work. And then they changed staff or something and got new people that didn't know us and didn't know what we did or who we were. And they turned us down. They rejected us for that project. And it was done poorly. Like it was, it, 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 it was painful. I'll just say that it was painful. Like, oh, like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know? But in that moment, after feeling sorry for myself for 10 minutes, I got reminded that all we need is God. Like we didn't need that organization to do it. He's like, I'm going to bring this to you myself. But it had provided an opportunity for me to grow my own faith around it. And that was a few years ago. So even this summer, I was pondering on that. And I was thinking, you know what? If they would have just funded that project, it would have been easy and it wouldn't have grown me at all. But because what I learned from it was that I didn't need them. I didn't need anyone. I just needed God. Yeah. It wasn't the specific organization or company. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? He totally did. We have two boreholes now that give us so much water <laughs> at our restoration center, you know, and God did it. And so when I look at that, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that they turned us down. So grateful. It's not crazy. The hindsight, it always helps. <laughs> yeah. So you also leave a wave out there. Is that part of your organization? Do you incorporate that into the learning centers? We actually have quite, because we have a lot of locations. <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're quite a bit spread out. Um, so it's not just one wave, but it's, we try to set those kinds of things up in all of our communities okay. um, as a way for those women to really um, connect and also to be able to teach these principles because this is actually part of the wisdom, right? Yeah. The big ocean women and it's just part of the wisdom um, that they get to learn. And the thing that put me in this direction to, in the first place was that at the end of the day, when we sit with women in all different, from all different cultures, we want the same things. Mm hmm we want a better life for our families and our children. We'll do whatever it takes to accomplish that. You know, we're heavily invested in our in our families, but the powers that be that make policy don't value those same things. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very crucial and important part of families mentoring families that we share with big ocean women in gathering, gathering right? Mm -hmm. Gathering the women to support each other and to create our own voice um, around the things that we really truly value so that we don't get rolled over for the things that we actually value as families and as mothers. Right. Um, and that's one of the things, uh, that's one of the reasons I, we started Families Mentoring Families in the first place was because as another way to gather people, because we thought, you know, like at the end of the day, we're all sisters from all different cultures and there's so many things that we have in common and so many values that we hold the same that we should gather and strengthen each other around that for yeah, sure. That's awesome. Definitely. So yeah. this has been 
This has been so inspiring. I'm so grateful we've been able to have this conversation. I'm super touched by what you shared. And I would love to know what you would suggest to people who are ready to make that leap and to do something in their community, or maybe in thinking about starting a wave or, or joining a wave, you know, what recommendations do you have moving forward? The first thing I would say is don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid. Like fear takes a lot of forms and it stops us from doing lots of things because we second guess our own abilities. We have so many voices like trying to tell us we're not good enough, you know, or we can't fit in one more thing. But if you feel called, you know, like God has a purpose and a passion and a mission for you, don't put it off another minute Mm. because you have no idea what you're missing out on all of the ways that you'll be blessed, not just for you personally, but also in your family. Like the blessings that'll come to you from following those inspirations and getting good at that practice of promptings, it's beyond your wildest imagination. So don't be afraid and go, like jump in, jump in. Don't spend another minute second guessing yourself or second guessing the promptings. Like if that's what you're feeling called to do, do it. Perfect. I think that's that's good wisdom. <laughs> and you will learn along the way, right? As you move forward, you don't yeah. need to know everything right up front, but there is yeah. a plan in place and that knowledge and wisdom will come as you take those steps forward. Yeah. And one of the things that I've observed is who does God call? He calls people with no qualification, no professional designation. We have no professional qualification or designation about this. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he calls people in that situation because that's how he ensures that it will get done according to his own plan. Without these big heads thinking they know everything. Yeah, because if you don't know what you're doing, where are you going to go for your inspiration and your, and your, um, you know what I mean? So that's just the way it goes. (laughs) Like that's, that's his way. That's God's way of doing it different than the world's way. Yeah. God's way of doing things looks different than the world's way of doing things. And that is just the way it is. As soon as you get used to that, I, I, remember, I remember thinking like, I remember one day driving out, you know, on this, along the street and it was so surreal. I was in one of those three wheel, like India, I don't, here they call it a Pragya. I don't know what they, you know, tricycle little mm-hmm. cars running around. And I was just like, what makes me think I can do this? Like I am a homeschool mom. I'm a, I was a music major. I don't have any qualification in nonprofit or literacy, except that we homeschooled our kids and we love mothers and education. I don't have, you know, like I, like I had this whole list going in my mind of all the ways I was not qualified to do this. And I got stopped and a little bit chastised about it. And this is yes. Cause I was like, there's other organizations. They have like venture capitalists on their board. They have resources to do stuff. We have none of that, none of it. Right. And the, and the thought that came to me was, but not one of not one of those people would pack up their family and move to Africa without an end date. Yeah. Right? That's one of the things that I've learned is that God doesn't need people with money. He that's no big deal for him. He right? owns it all. He has those he he has those people already and he knows where they are and who they are, right? He's like, he doesn't, but he what he needs is people with faith. And people who will just take that step and just know the next step they need to do, even if they can't see how to get from here past this step all the way to the finish. You don't have to know that. Yeah. So if you're feeling unqualified, then you're probably perfect for the position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And I'm so excited for you. (laughs) 
Yes. I just love this. Thank you, Becky. You've been an inspiration. What can we do to support? Yeah. So we have a website, familiesmentoringfamilies.org. Um, you can go and check that out. Uh, there's a ton of things that you can do. We have committees in the U.S. Um, that you can serve on from literacy committees to social media, to donor relations, to like all kinds of, of, of ways that you can serve if you have time that you're willing to volunteer. We need everybody's skills. We need all hands on deck. Um, you can also come over on an expedition. Um, that's one of the ways that we also fund projects if you want to have that kind of an experience. And then, of course, obviously, you can donate supplies. You can donate money. Um, we have a monthly giving program that's on our website and you can just, you can choose the amount. And um, we're actually working on building that right now because we're starting to get quite a lot of staff that are monthly recurring, you know, we pay their salaries now. And so, um, and, and we do it in such a great way. It's, it's totally genius how it's, how it's set up. But those are all some of the, the needs that, that we have. And you can find them on our website at familiesmentoringfamilies.org. Awesome. I hope everyone will take the opportunity to look that up. And if you feel called to support, to help in any way, then reach out to Becky and her organization. Thanks again for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Awesome. Thank you. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.